Rework is produced by Basecamp. Have you ever had a group working on something where some people were using text messages, some were sending out email after email, and some were even dropping sticky notes on your desk with tasks on them? It's a mess. It's easy to get lost. Basecamp takes all of that work and puts it in one place for everyone. Sign up at Basecamp.com. Welcome to Rework, a podcast about the better way to work and run your business. I'm Waylon Wong. And I'm Sean Hildner. Waylon, have you ever gone through all of your like monthly charges, especially like streaming services, and <laughs> figured out how much you're spending every month? It's so funny you ask because I'm just doing this now. I made like a huge spreadsheet comparing costs, Netflix, HBO. I prepaid for three years of Disney Plus. Of course you did. <laughs> put that in there. So the grand total for what we will be spending every month on streaming, not counting Spotify because that's music and not TV and BT dubs. Doesn't count. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> Different count. Different spreadsheet. Different spreadsheet. We're going to be spending $67.25. Oh, not bad at all. Not bad, right? I think that is okay. Well, on this week's show, we have the story of how one Basecamp employee went through all of the company's cloud services and ended up saving more than half a million dollars. For this episode, I talked to Blake Stoddard. He is a systems administrator here at Basecamp on the operations team. And he went through the bills and looked at where he could save some money. And he found a lot of deals. I have to say, Blake, very good at getting a deal. Well, let's get into it. When we talk about using the cloud for Basecamp, what does that mean in, you know, like layman's terms? It means taking the hardware that we would run our applications on and kind of removing the hardware piece and letting somebody else manage it. So now all of a sudden, instead of going from dealing with physical hardware and the power and the networking and the cooling infrastructure that um, surrounds it, I just had to deal with the software. Back before we had moved these things to the cloud, we would be dealing with physical data centers like these big warehouses in undisclosed locations, right? Right. Yeah, we had three data centers. Uh, we've cut down to two recently. But yeah, if a disk and a server died, we'd have to deal with it. If there was a, a power issue, we would be the ones that were making tickets with uh, our remote hands folks at the data center saying, hey, we've got a power issue in this rack with this server. Can you go unplug it and plug it back in and hope it turns back on? So then what's the advantage of moving that to the cloud so that you're no longer dealing with physical hardware but are now managing it all via software? So the big advantage is that you can, in theory, scale infinitely larger than what you can on-premise. Because rather than having to like go to Dell or to HP and saying, hey, I need this server with this specs, I can just go to Amazon or to Google and say, I need this much RAM, this much, this many CPU cores, and they can just give it to me. And there's, there's just instant scale-up time. And so how long ago did Basecamp start moving things to the cloud? David wrote up an initial pitch for this in February of 2016 and said, hey, let's kind of let's give this a go. And at the time, it was Amazon, and then we kind of transitioned over to using Google for some things, and then Google kind of let us down, so we transitioned back to using Amazon right now. How much do we spend on this, like, per year? In 2018, I think we spent almost $3 million on cloud infrastructure in particular, not including how much money we spent with the two data centers we still operate and run ourselves. Okay, and so, I mean, it's fair to say this is, it's probably, like, one of the biggest 
line item expenses for the company, right? Yeah, after like salaries and yeah, really after people, I think that the operations team has the, is the largest call center at the company. But that makes sense, right? Because it's like this is where all of our customer yeah. data. It's like this is where everything happens, right? Right. We're we're a software company, so we don't necessarily need to keep an inventory of cars. We're not selling cars. We do need to keep servers and, and hardware available to run those things on. So it naturally makes sense that we would be the largest cost of the company. And so I guess this gets me to another question I had, which is, how is this stuff priced? I mean, is it, it sounds very complex. <laughs> um, it kind of like varies between being like, okay, this is reasonable. And holy shit, this got really expensive really quickly. How did we not notice? There are certain technologies that Amazon has, like Lambda, which if you're operating a website that doesn't see a lot of hits and you want to run it on Lambda, it may not be that expensive. You may only pay 5 or $10 a month. But if all of a sudden your website gets posted on Hacker News or to Reddit and you get the Reddit hug of death, then your Lambda bill goes sky high and you're you're left holding the bag for that because ultimately like it's your bill. For a company that's our size, when we look at running these applications in AWS or on Google Cloud, the math doesn't always make sense. How did you get put on this project to reduce how much we spend on the cloud? I kind of volunteered for it. It's always been something that I've been interested in and like looking at how we can take what we're doing now. Can we optimize it? Can we make it better? Are there levers we can pull to reduce the spend while still being efficient with what we're doing and, and the resources that we have and being vigilant with provider-specific services and things that we're making use of? There's a fine line between like having enough resources provision to handle your customer load or handle the request load that's coming from your customers and having so much provision that you have double the capacity you need and the bills are coming and you're like, why are we spending so much? And you're like, oh, it's because we provision twice what we need. Even though in this particular circumstance, when we're using a cloud provider, we don't need to. If the amount of traffic we get increases in a uh, over a couple hour period, we can just provision more servers. It's not like in a data center where we have to like go ask a hardware manufacturer to make us these things and they might arrive in a couple weeks. This is just a matter of pressing a button and in a couple minutes we're ready we're ready to go. Ah, uh, okay. So you don't want to be sold more capacity than what you need, especially in advance. Right. And ultimately that comes down to the planning that we do in the operations team to say like, okay, well, here's how the app performs with XYZ amount of resources given to it when there are 100 requests per second hitting it? Is that a reasonable target? Can we give it more memory or more CPU cores to deal with a higher volume of traffic? And then how can we scale that? Do we scale it up by giving it more resources or do we scale it out by taking that same box of resources and multiplying it eight or nine times to support the traffic load that we have? You decided to take on this big project um, with really big numbers attached to it. How did you go about tackling the various steps? So uh, one of the things I looked at originally was kind of like the older application we're running. So Basecamp uh, Classic and then Backpack and Campfire and Tadalist and Highrise, and then taking a look at how much we're paying to run those now. So uh, we were going to spend about $550,000 a year to run that suite of applications. Um, and I was able to cut that down to about $250,000 a year. What? With an option to That's save a huge another, savings. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty decent savings. Most of that was done by just looking at traffic changes over the last three years. And naturally, as they're older apps, the traffic goes down at a pretty steady rate. So we looked at traffic changes over the last three years. We saw what we had originally expected these apps with. And then we kind of compared that to what traffic numbers look like now. And then we also coupled that with reserved instances. So when you look at a cloud provider's pricing, there's a couple different ways you can price these things. So with Amazon, using Amazon's terms, you have like on-demand rates and there's reserved rates and like dedicated rates. So reserved instances 
are us telling Amazon that we know that this particular instance, we're going to run it for a year. We tell Amazon we want to prepay for all of these instances for a year, and then we get a bulk, let me say it's like 40 or 50% discount. To sum up what I'm hearing from you, we were looking at unused capacity for our legacy apps, right? Like we were still being charged for this capacity, even though we weren't using it. And so you found savings that way combined with a lower priced option that Amazon yeah, gives s- you. S- saying that we'll prepay for it. Right? Got it. Right. Which is like something we're used to in the consumer world too. Right. We're paying for something. Yeah. Right. So then you saved 250 grand that way. <laughs> that yeah. must have felt pretty good. It did feel pretty good, yeah. It's like paying for yourself for a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then was that kind of the, like the lowest hanging fruit dealing with the legacy apps? Does it get more complicated when you're looking at newer apps? It does get more complicated from there. So those were ones that like, they were jumping out to me saying like, look, this is something easy that we can look at. Let's go ahead and chop this off. And then from there, it got much more complicated. And um, it was to the point that I was going line by line through our bills saying like, okay, well, I know what this service is. I know what it does. Great. Let me move to the next one and say, I know what this is. What is it doing? Why did it go up 300% in the last three months? What happened there? And then digging into what caused that change. And then can we do something about it? So... We recently moved all of our customer files from Google Cloud Storage to S3. We do this using a service that Amazon has called cross-region replication. And cross-region replication is just responsible for taking the files we upload to one AWS region and putting them in another for disaster recovery. Like redundancy, just having backup. Right, redundancy, mm-hmm. right. Um, and they include this, it's called a CloudFormation stack, and CloudFormation is a service that Amazon has that lets you define a bunch of resources and code, and then you can click a button and they all just... Everything you need comes alive with one button press. So they they have this cloud formation stack that you can use that monitors all the parts of cross-region replication for you. Uh, it checks to make sure that these files are replicating successfully, that everything matches up between the buckets, stuff like that. Because of the volume of objects that we store in S3, this system was costing $13,000 a month to run, all from clicking one button that said, let's run this. And the only reason that we noticed that was because I was going line by line through the bill and thinking to myself, okay, this was a pretty massive change in the cost of this service over the last couple months. When did it start? Okay, April, May. Okay, I know what happened then. I know that we were working on moving files. It's got to be tied to that. And then figuring out what it was and saying, wow, okay, this is costing us a lot more money than we thought it was. And I brought it up and a week later, we'd actually rewritten the service and cut the cost of it from $13,000 a month to $15 per month. $15? $15. Wow. Yeah, and then we've had other things like one of my colleagues, Matt, was looking at our Google bill and noticed that our Stackdriver bill, and Stackdriver is uh, the kind of the umbrella term that Google uses for metrics and logging and monitoring and stuff like that. And our Stackdriver bill was crazy, and we didn't know why. We were spending like $10,000 a month on metrics alone. And ultimately, we discovered that at some point, we had added um, a little pod into our uh, Elasticsearch cluster that was sending all of these metrics into Stackdriver, like thousands a minute. And we were getting charged for every one of these metrics. Someone had written a piece of software that was just sitting in there and costing you money without you realizing it. Okay. Right. When you get these bills, I mean, is it kind of like when you get a bill from, like, if you ever take the time to look at your, like, cell phone bill and there's all these, like, random charges, like, taxes and stuff like that where you're like, what is this? They're 50 pages long. Yeah. They're 50 pages long and you're like, uh... Well, the writing on, like, these aren't full words. They're just nothing but acronyms. I don't know what they mean. That's essentially what the bills look like from our cloud providers. Our Amazon bill is... 40 pages long or something like that. It's, it's absurd. It splits between having a lot of detail and like you have individual SKUs with 
kind of like vague descriptions of what these SKUs mean, and then big umbrella charges for like, I bought a lot of reserved instances this month, so here's $150,000 of reserved instances. And that those charges sit right next to seven cents per gigabyte US one East. And you have no clue what that means. And it's just kind of like assume that you know what this odd phrase of words stands for and what you're being charged for. So then for those instances, did you just have to call someone at either Amazon and Google and say, what is this? It's it's a combination of like looking through their documentation to see if they describe what it is or looking at their public pricing charts to see what, if the costs line up per unit. Um, or if I can't figure it out, then yeah, I'll email the account team and ask them, what is this? What does it mean? This sounds really time-consuming. Was it terribly time-consuming? It is time-consuming. We try to do these cloud spend reports about once a month, and they take a couple of days just between gathering the individual bills themselves from uh, our cloud providers, and then Jane on our data team has a script that processes them and then like kind of like lumps these bills into individual cost buckets, whether that's computer, databases, or storage, or networking. And then we go by hand and then go through those and look and see what are these different parts are, have there been services where we've seen large percentile changes or decreases, and then can we explain those? And then we write it all up, and then we post it for the company to see so that they're aware of the money that we're spending to both hold us accountable to that to the to that money and to also show people how much money or what the cost of doing business is. Have you declared the kind of current cloud spend project to be over or is it ongoing? I'd say we're nearing the end of it. We're nearing we're we're getting to a point that cutting the bill more is going to have increasingly diminishing returns. Can you give like a ballpark figure of like how much you think you save the company just by going through the bills oh. line by line like this? Let's look. <laughs> so me alone, I think that I've through like changes that I've either carried out myself or I've noticed and kind of like prodded other people on, I'm sure I've managed to cut between 500 or 600, $700,000 off the bill, which is a decent chunk when we say that we're spending $3 million over a 12 month period. Absolutely. Well, good and work. There's, there's even like, there's <laughs> other things that Again, talk about that was another couple hundred thousand dollars that we're going to see over the course of the next two years. Like overall, we're looking at maybe we're going to see a 20 to 30 percent cut in our in the operation spend this year, which is a pretty decent sized cut if you're looking at it from a corporate angle. Yeah. And I mean, is that kind of the biggest cut you'll see for a while? Because it's like you went through and did kind of like a big house cleaning. And then from here on out, you might get some savings, but it's not going to be as dramatic as like this first go around. Right. Um, and the other thing is, like, we're going to move Basecamp, th- Basecamp 2 and Basecamp 3 to the cloud at some point in the future, and those aren't going to be free. So we're actually going to see the bill go up again. So unfortunately, there's not much we can do about that besides being vigilant and trying to find what levers can we pull again to make sure that we're, that we're um, being cost efficient in this move compared to what we've done in the past. Rework is produced by Waylon Wong and me, Sean Hildner. Music for the show is by Clipart. You can find us on Twitter at Rework Podcast. And our website, where you can find show notes and transcripts for episodes, is rework.fm. Rework is produced by Basecamp. Basecamp is an organizational tool that you use to keep track of everything in one place and not let anything fall through the cracks. Learn more and sign up at Basecamp.com. Did I pitch you my idea for an online cord cutting decider tool thing? You have not. Okay, here is my idea. This is what I decided that 
is necessary because it is so confusing to figure out your cord cutting situation, and it's deliberately confusing because all of these companies have these big disincentives to help customers figure out how to save money. I think they just want everyone to go with the path of least resistance and stick with their cable providers, which I refuse to do. Take that, Directv. <laughs> Really sticking um, it to the man. Yeah, really sticking it to the man by continuing to pay them hundreds of dollars <laughs> for wireless and internet service. Okay, so here's what I want. You go to the website, or this is like an app or whatever, mm-hmm. and you enter in your zip code. And then you enter in what shows you like to watch. So there's a search bar with shows. Mm-hmm. If you just want to type, there's also a whole list. There's like a radio button next to each one. So not by network or by streaming service, but by show that you want to watch. And you go and you click all the shows that you want to watch, and then you hit a big button at the bottom, and it spits out a plan for you, right? So it, like, figures out which of your shows are on which networks and how much it costs, and it just assembles this, like, patchwork of streaming services for you because that's the whole thing is, like, you have to go shopping around and Googling which service has which content that yeah. you want to watch. And it takes a lot of time, and it's really frustrating, especially because when licensing deals expire, stuff disappears and then reappears in other places. We're just, like, at the mercy of the programming companies and the device manufacturers and, like, other companies in this ecosystem, like, signing this, like, patchwork of licensing deals. And it's so annoying. And we just end up wasting all this money, right? Anyway, so that's what I want. I'm sure there are some listeners to this very show that could make this happen. I mean, don't we work at a company with people who know how to, like, make websites? Come on, Basecamp. Let's pivot. <laughs> <laughs> We're no longer doing project management apps.